For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, and of pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity. Somebody say amen. Amen. In which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper, that is mineral oil all over the place. He said, when you have eaten, now this is the problem. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God, because every blessing has a temptation. Beware you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied, which is the will of God, and have built good houses, which is the will of God, and lived in them, and when your heads and your flocks and your companies you know, and your investments have multiplied, and your money, your gold, your silver multiply, and all that you have multiplies, this is the danger, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you to the great and terrible wilderness with his fairy serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you. So we go through a process in life of being humbled. Sometimes things are hard. We are going to this place of abundance. But in this meantime, what is he doing? That he might humble you and that he might test you. Why? To bring you to this good end. He said to do you good in the end. If he doesn't do this for you, otherwise you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand has made me this wealth. Listen to me. That's what I said to you earlier. Listen to me in life. A time will come you will fail. Don't be angry. I'm not cursing you. I'm preparing you. When it happens, you know what God is trying to do? He wants you to know that when your plans work, it's not because they are good. It's because he blessed them. So do your best plans in life will first fail. Do you hear what I said? Your best plans in life, they will first fail. When they have failed, your worst plan will now succeed. You know the point God is just making? So you will know that it is not your plan. Because when God blesses people, they will think they have sense. I'm telling you, you will sit down, you will go and do that master's, you will come back, you will get that job, Shell will employ you, or Chevron, they will pay you a lot of money. After 10 years, according to your plan, they will retire you. They will give you 150 million naira as severance benefits. Then you will invest it. And in another 10 years, you are rolling with Dangote. It's a good plan. It seems to have worked. Because I don't be stupid. I just used that method to bring it to this level. But people often think they know how to plan. So what I do is that their best plans are first frustrated. All the plans they make, I will make sure they fail. When they are finished failing, they will now raise them up. Why? So that they will now know it is the Lord, their God, that has given them what? The power to get wealth. Let me say something to you. When God is blessing you materially, money will not rain from heaven. It will rain from heaven. It will still come the normal way. 
You will still buy land somewhere in Enugu. And the value will grow up, go up 10 times in one year. And you will sell it and have more money. And go to another place and buy more. And then you cut it to pieces and sell it and build houses and have tenants. And it will work. And then you go to nature and go and you know, buy something in bulk. Bring it to Enugu. Everything will sell. That's how it works. You will invent something. And somebody will collect it from you, produce it in millions, and be paying you 10, 10, 9 each time they sell it. And they'll be selling 1 million units a month. And you'll be making 10 million a month. Then you now open your foolish mouth. And come to young people. The keys to prosperity, have your own invention. Some of you are just going around, you don't have your own invention. God said, I will soon wound this guy. <laughs> That's what happens. Listen to me. Let me tell you the truth. Except you are trained with the word of God. When God has blessed you in this life, you will be so sure you know how to do it. No, because you'll be able to see, look, there was a time we said we'll do it. We did it. But when you have been trained with God's word, and with that word of God, you have gone through your experiences. Especially when God has trained you by himself. You will just, your best plans. When you, you, know, you know what God does for people? If he has been blessing, you, bless you, you have not gotten to the point. Your blessed plans will, not, will now fail. You, it will fail. It will fail. You know, you know what they call fail? Fail. And I finish failing. When you want to commit suicide, God will now send somebody to come and tell you, see, there's no need to commit suicide. Tomorrow go good. That person will not dash you 10 naira. You eat 5 naira, invest 5 naira, in a week is 500, in two weeks is 10,000. After that, they now say, oh boy, you know how to make money. They say, no. I know how to receive blessings from above. Listen, faith does not mean you'll be doing things foolishly. You will still go to work. You will still sit down, have your business plans for the day. You will, you will still be doing it by the back of your mind. You could laugh. You just be laughing. I say, hey, this is not like this. Oh. We thank God. You say, how are you? So I say, we thank God. I heard that you guys have you made a profit of two billion naira in the first quarter of this year. I say, we thank God. I say, can you tell us how you did it? Children, let us pray. <laughs> you will give God his glory. It doesn't mean you are lazy. You will still get up in the morning. You will still go to work. You will still come back on the boy you will have understood that it is not my might that got me this wealth. He said that's why God allowed you to be hungry. So when your plans fail, don't feel bad. Just say, Lord, I have learned the lesson. I thought I was wise. I've learned the lesson. I thought I was smart. I've learned the lesson. Now, I only know how to receive from above. I will be faithful, I will be diligent, I will do what I'm supposed to do. But when my crop multiplies, when my head multiplies, when everything that I have multiplies, then I will know that it is the, I will remember it is the Lord my God that has given me the power to create wealth, to have wealth. God never has a problem with his people having wealth. It's all those problems that he has, that is, for them to forget where it came from. For them to forget the uses of it. Everything in life has temptations. If you have a lot of money, you'll break the law in Nigeria. I hope you know that. You will break the law. Because people who have money hardly go to prison unless they offend bigger people. Are we? Am I lying? It's the truth. That's just the way I look. That's our reality for now. So when you're a child of God, you now have greater discipline. You renew your papers on time. 
vehicle papers. You will pay your taxes. Do everything you're supposed to do so that you will not be tempted to use your wealth to subvert justice. Those are the the trials you will now have as a believer to continue to do what is right even though you have the resources to bend the rules. So your children will be studying harder than other children. Why? You don't want to use money to buy them position in school. Then all of you, if you fail, I will beat you. You won't disgrace me. They won't know why you are so... You, you, because God has blessed you materially, you don't want to use that money to do anything that is wrong. So God said, in the in verse 16, In the wilderness he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that they might humble you and that they might test you to do you good in the end. So he wants to do you good in the end. He said, otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand has made me this wealth. But what, this is what you should do. You shall remember the Lord your God. And there are ways by which you do that. Maybe along the life, God helps us. We may come back to do the teaching on that. I have a write-up on that. Do not forget God. There are things you do deliberately so that you don't forget God. If you are eating before precedence, you will bow your head your head and say, Father, I thank you for this food in Jesus' name. You let the whole world see it. It's, your, it's one way. There are things you do. There are times you take a portion of your income and give it out in certain ways regularly. Not because you're trying to pay anybody. It's your way of remembering God. I have a teaching on it. Somewhere written somewhere. Titled, Do Not Forget God. There are ordinances you create for yourself. Do not forget God. There are times you say, look, I don't go, look, this is my rule. I don't come to the office before this time. After this time, I have closed. They say, why now we have more customers? I say, no, I want you to know. It is the Lord my God. That's the principle of Sabbath. That's why God gave Israel the observance of Sabbath. Nobody observed Sabbath before Israel. Go and check your Bible. Nobody. Moses was the first to command Sabbath. It was one of the ways by which God told them, don't forget the Lord your God. Because think about it. It's better to do business eight time, eight, eight, seven days a week instead of six days. He said, God will say, you think you know how to do it. So I want you to waste one day. That one day, points the phone, sit down, just be telling stories. Dance around the fireplace with your children. Don't do anything. Don't invest money. Don't take calls. Even said that there's a particular year for Israel, you're not allowed to plant for a whole year. After you planted six years, the seventh year you don't plant. Very stupid idea, right? Yeah, humanly speaking, very, very silly idea. But that was what he gave to them so that they don't forget him. So anybody who's doing certain ordinances like that, depending on your own, you know, Christianity will operate differently. But you must have things you do that help you remember that it's not my strength. Things you do that help you remember it's not my struggle. He said you must not forget. If, if, if somebody will remind me one day, I have the teaching somewhere, it's inside my computer. It's titled, Do Not Forget God. I analyzed it, things that people do so that they don't forget God. Listen to this, he said... But you, you say, but you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. That he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Please, that covenant is not the one you make. It's the one that he did what? He swore. Because I've heard people say that the power, there's power in the covenant. You now get up and take money and make a covenant with God. That's a misreading of this scripture. What did he say? 
that he may confirm the covenant that he swore to whom? Your fathers, not the one you made with him. Christians, you cannot make any covenant with God. That thing is nonsense. You can't make any covenant with God. You can only obey him. I people say that, God, if you give me this, I'll give you that. God said, no, I'm taking everything. Why do you make agreements as if he agreed? <laughs> I don't know my point. He said, I've made an agreement with God. Which agreement? Where did he sign? Show me his signature. Listen, you cannot make an agreement with God, child of God. What did I say? No, okay. You think what I'm saying? Why not? I'll tell you. Let my son come and make agreements with me. Does it make sense to you? What will he tell me now? I'll sit at home. I can only not enter. Daddy, let's have an agreement. I'll first slap his, I'll slap him with it. That is, what kind of agreement? And like one man, his son came to see him. It was a movie I saw long ago. He said, look, um, Daddy, I want us to just talk about it so that we can save our relationship. And the man said, are you my girlfriend? <laughs> the man said, I'm your father for goodness sake. Are we dating? Which relationship are we talking about here? agreement. You make an agreement with yourself to obey me. That's it. I'm not going to promise you anything. Think about it. The only, the only agreement you can make before God is with yourself to obey everything he says. I've heard Christians say that, look, one man told me something. One, very, one of the most foolish things I've heard since I started preaching. He said the way he's doing this is business. People don't understand. It's power of covenant. I said, what is the covenant? He said he bought a keyboard for a fellowship. Sometimes they are playing it to be sounding. <laughs> I said, Christians are foolish. <laughs> Sometimes we behave very foolishly. Oh, okay, you bought a keyboard for a fellowship. When they are playing it, the sound will be hitting heaven. And God will be blessing his work. Okay, what about when it's pause? <laughs> because nothing lives forever. <laughs> You know, you know the problem we have as believers there? We still think, please, okay, it's, it's our current edition of this magazine. Please, go and read it. It's not like other gods. That's what I wrote inside there. Please read it. We still treat Christ like other gods. You offer a sacrifice when you want to travel. You know, some people give offerings at motor park for protection's sake. If you do it again, you have an accident. Yes, you know me, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't beg people. I warn you. If you want to give, give. Don't buy protection for the journey. If you try it again, God will just carry your car. You won't die, just put it into a gutter. Go on. So yeah, go and give another malam money to, for it to come out now. So they will never give until they've entered the bus. You know, they always have this, these preachers with very fat Bibles. Praise the Lord, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this journey as your children are traveling. They will not have accident in Jesus' name. Amen. Bread, they pray for two minutes, take offering for three minutes, and then, look, if you want to make money in ministry, that's a good place to start. <laughs> because people will give to buy protection for the journey. You know why? They are idolaters. It's idol worship. The name of their current idol is Jesus. So when they, <laughs> when they want to travel, they give him something to protect them. Jesus Mojuba. Who speaks your about there? Iba. That they give Jesus something. As I'm going, oh, you protect me. Take your cola. As I'm going, you protect me. This is your power wine. 
We treat Jesus like that. That is why we give offerings at motor parks a lot of times. And when the man finishes releasing the, a heavy anointed prayer on your journey, you now connect the prayer with an offering. All of it, idolatry. It's common practice, but it's not Christianity. Nonsense. I mean, if I want to give you money, I will give you. Whether you pray or you don't pray. I am not, that money is not buying me protection. Protection is based on two things. One, the promise of God. Two, the faith I have in it. Should I tell you some, another thing? It's good to pray. Bible says pray all the time. Amen? Yeah. Say pray without season. But whether you remember to pray for that journey or not, I came to tell you today, you are still safe. Oh, you think it's the prayer you said that day that's keeping the journey? Let me tell you what the prayer you said that day is doing. It's calming your heart down. So that unbelief does not rise. So when you don't remember and you are calm and you are going, the angels will not say, he did not pray before he took off, he will not leave you. No. They continue doing their job. A lot of times the prayer we pray before we get up, you understand, is to calm unbelief, calm fear. Like I told you last time I was starving with my whole family. I was by going through a road that all this story here in the country was all over the place. And I was offered two mobile policemen in their hillocks and I rejected it. Of all this discussion will cause something to arise in your heart. So I said, let's quieten down the voice of unbelief and release the spirit of faith into the air. So I said to my children, repeat after me. There is none like the God of Israel who rises the heavens to my help and through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is a dwelling place and underneath us are his everlasting arms. He has driven out the enemy from before us saying, let destruction overcome them. That comes, do you get my point? It comes you down. Listen to me, even if I forgot to say it, we'll still have gone safely and come back. Because for me to have forgotten means I'm not afraid. <laughs> but anytime you bring a voice of accusation, voices against faith, I need to respond. I need to respond. What am I going to say? The covenant we are talking about is not the covenant we make. God, I make a covenant, I will give you this money every month, you will bless me. That is idolatry, it is not Christianity. There are Christians that, for one month in your life, eat all your money. I'm giving you an instruction from heaven. Eat all your money. One month. Okay, two. Don't give anybody. Eat it. The one you cannot give, burn it. The one you cannot eat, burn it. Waste it. Organize party. Eat. Go and buy expensive ice cream. Waste when the money has finished. Do it two months. Then let's see whether you will die. Then when you, don't, when you have not died, the next month you cannot give like a Christian. Not this why you're giving, bribery giving. That's what, no, that's what we're trying to kill. We're not saying Christians should not give. But this motive of giving to secure protection, to secure something extra, is what I want to kill. Christians give out of responsibility and love. It's we are just responsible. We are responsible and we love God. That's why we give. The covenant he says here, is a covenant he swore to the fathers. And in this context, who are the fathers? Or who is the father? Jesus said, I and the children that the Lord has given me, we are for signs and for wonders. It's a promise. That's all the promise of God in him. They are what? They are yes and amen. That is in Christ Jesus, everything is concluded. So God is giving you the power to get wealth, to fulfill the promise he made to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that your seed will not lack. I hope you are getting my point here. Yeah, he made him that promise. That his children will not lack. He has made him that promise. When he said, the Lord is my shepherd, he was speaking on behalf of the whole church. I shall not want. God will fulfill that. It's a promise. What am I going to say? I'm explaining something here. Don't let anybody... Look, listen. Poverty is not the will of God. Receive that. Remember what we are saying? Believe what God promised. Whether you like it or not. There's one man. I won't mention the name. The name I, if I mention all of you here, most of you here will know. Bible man. Big man. He said those days. He used to just money to get by. He used to money to get by. Every time he gets extra money, he wonders why. Ah! And I said to myself, ah! They did not preach prosperity to this man. You know why he was like that for him? He thought that was what Christianity was. I've seen people argue with me that that's what Christianity is. And I say, oh God, you can't be thinking like this. Let me say something to you. This is how we start as believers. Just accept what the Lord has said. How you will play it out, you don't know. Let's just start by accepting it. God wants us to prosper in this life. Somebody give me an amen. amen. Not only will we prosper, our environment will prosper. Amen. Yes, so I'm not even concerned about personal prosperity. What I'm more concerned about is environmental prosperity. I want people to so prosper eh, that the environment will be nice. When you land in Enugu, you know Enugu looks nice. It's, Oka has to look like that. Abakliki must look like that. And Abba has to look like that too, in Jesus' name. Because Abba, Abba, Abba has to look like that. Hey, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Abba has to look like that. I, I, I have a leading in my heart. I, I don't know whether it's the Holy Spirit or confirm it or not. That we should do this. We have not done seminar in Enugu at the end of the year for two years now. Also, for that I do one titled Nation Building. Yeah, seriously. Thought about it just today. Just today. Thought just came to my mind. He said the Lord blesses it. I would like us to do that. Nation building. Because I want Christians to know the role they have to play. We'll talk about it then. I want to explain again. Black man get problem. All his countries are shithole countries. Donald Trump and Donald Trump, 19, 2019. <laughs> It's not a lie. It's not a lie. And it will never end except for one thing. And I'm not joking. There's no, the only way it will end, eh, naturally speaking, is recolonization. The only way it will end, naturally speaking, is recolonization. That is, one day we will get tired and say, America, please, we want to give you land in Benue, in the center of Nigeria. There's your own. Then please... Just take the whole country. Say we are this fifty third country uh, state in America. Honestly, you we, we, honestly then, then of course as we finish Congo will do their own too. That's their country to Canada. Say so the the African country of Canadian. That is find one name for it. As if Canada has not smoked itself into madness by that time. I met one man on the plane. We're just showing me his house. He said, "Do you know what this is?" I looked at him. I said, "That is Igbo now." <laughs> I said, that's, that, I said, that's cannabis. He said, yes. He likes flowers, so he planted cannabis with it. Bros, he said, no, no, I use it to generate discussion. I said, you do. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> he was going to Toronto, he's going back home. 
So in Canada, if their head is still correct that time, they will take Congo. That is the only hope. Except, except, he said, arise, shine, for your light has come. That's it. Except the people of God arise and shine. And listen to me, that's, anyway, we'll get, that, we'll get to that one later. So the blessings, that's what I'm explain. We believe in prosperity, it's not just for us. When God wants to bless us, he gets the right doctrines into our head. And that's what I'm doing again today. God wants us to prosper. It's the word. It's not my idea. It's all over the scriptures. Health is not word of faith that started it. It's the word of God. God wants us to be totally healthy from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. It's God's word. So I create my expectation based on it. If I'm not feeling well, I start with one idea in my mind. I always win. In fact, sometimes you see me in my house. Usually my wife is not even there. I want to do things like that. I'm always alone. I say, at the end, I win. I may be sick. I'm not feeling well. I will be laughing. I say, at the end, though, I always win. Why? Because Jesus died so that I will always win. Because greater is it that is in me than he that. And that is, I'm sick. I, I hope I'm not feeling well. That is where I start from. If you're a doctor, you come and tell me, say, ah, thank you. It looks like uh, this is going to get worse and you're going to die. I'm going to laugh at you. I say, bros, I will live longer than you. Don't worry about it. What I've told you has happened before. It was not even, I wasn't sick. I was just, uh, we're doing, they said I should donate a bit of blood for them to do control tests for some of the patients. I was doing my hematology posting there. So my chief took a bit of blood. I don't know whether I had he took the sample, I don't know. I was, I was normal and I've been normal since. I've been walking around. I'm telling you, this is mobile was 23 years ago. They, they, they do use it to check the patients that are taking anticoagulants, how well their control is, okay? So they take a normal person, just do your own, okay? They, they need to do some standardization, then compare the patient. So, so he was not worried that, they are, that the one he took from me is not even clotting. <laughs> so I said, so. I said, chief. I will live longer than all your patients put together, so don't worry about it. <laughs> the way I answered him, man, he started laughing. He almost dropped the bottle. He was okay with the laughter. I know the truth. You know, normal person say, ah, chief, please, take another one now. Check now. Do you know, I just, let me hear what, Joe. If you didn't do your test, well, that's not my problem. And I told him straight, I said, God, don't worry about it. I, I, I told him like that. I said, don't worry about it. I'm going to live longer than all your patients. All these people that are taking their blood and checking what's wrong with them. I'm not one of them. Me? That was 23 years ago, and I'm still fine till today. You're not going to scare me. It doesn't mean I don't feel bad, though. It just means you will not scare me. My, my default position is that I will get well. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is working in me. It's giving life to my mortal body. It, that's the starting position. Health is the will of God. Forget all other explanations for how sickness came. Let's start with the one. I you know once, you know, I met a man recently. He, he, you know, something led to it. He told me one of his children was not feeling well. And when I discussed with him, he brought tears to my eyes. He, he, I'm sure, I, I don't, he didn't know me well, so he, he, he won't be able to tell whether that's why I talk normally or I will just feel with emotion. But I was. And I told him something, listen, I don't care how, because he's believing God. I said, I don't care how your child is doing. 
One thing I can assure you of is that it pains the Lord every day. I say it's not God's will. Nobody should persuade us the will of God. Why we are where we are, I don't know. I said, but, I told him straight, read your Bible. Who did you see Jesus encounter and he did not heal? I said, the only person that he refused to heal, the person collected it by force. And Jesus said, thank you for that lesson. He said, who? The Serephonician woman. And he explained to her that it's just a matter of timing. That, listen, the anointing I have does not cover you. The anointing I have doesn't cover you. It's just for the children. Those under the covenant that Israel has with God. So it's not right for us to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. And the Holy Spirit entered that woman. Flesh and blood did not reveal it to her. But the Heavenly Father sent his Holy Spirit to tell her something that his son might hear. I'm confident when I say this. Until that day, Jesus was not aware. Why? Because he laid aside his glory. All that knowledge, he didn't have it. So the woman said to him simply, Yes, my Lord. However, when the crumbs fall from the children's table, don't the dogs eat? Jesus said, Ah, daughter, great is your faith. Your daughter is well. That was the only person he showed any reluctance to heal. Yet, she enlightened him and collected her miracle. I believe in the wealth, the health and the wealth gospel. I believe in it. I believe it totally. I believe God wants us to have abundance. It does not mean we don't pass through seasons of lack. But he wants us to have abundance. When Paul was in lack, he explained that this is my suffering for you people's sake. From what I know, let me tell you about Paul. Paul said, I have abundance of revelation. If I go into tent making, I will speak to tent to sow itself. I'm not joking. (laughs) If you know the kind of things Paul knew, I will speak to tent. It will change color. Say, but what what we are going through is so we can preach the gospel. So, so we appear poor, but we make many rich. So he healed the sick. He raised the dead. And listen to me, and he said simply to Christians, there's no reason why any of you should be sick. If anyone is sick amongst you, James said, let him call upon the elders. He needs to have his sin forgiven him. I believe in health. I believe that with God, everything is curable. Whether it is cancer or malaria, like Archbishop Daosa will say, come out is come out. <laughs> Whether you are malaria, you are cancer, it's doctors that know the difference. Me, I have one word for all of them, come out. <laughs> Listen, these are not desires generated from common sense. I have enough medical training to tell you why everybody should be sick. Is there any, there's one common saying in those days in medicine that a totally healthy person is a person that has not been investigated. <laughs> that once you are investigated, we'll find out what is wrong with you. Isn't, I, I agree with them. That is what they think. Are, are you getting my point? They are, they, are, they have reasons for it. The only, the only person that, has, that says he's healthy has not been investigated, which is why I don't want you to investigate me. Leave me like this. 
Because like this, I will live till a hundred and something years just to prove that the Lord is faithful. I believe in long life. It's not my idea. It's his idea. He said, with long life, I will satisfy him. Ah! Do Christians die early? Sometimes they do. But let's get something clear. The plan of God is what? Long life. Let me say it to you again. Eh? Oh, I feel like saying this. Go wherever you want to go. At any time you want to go there. Safety is your portion. The angels that guard you are very wicked to those that hate you. They kill people. You know this gospel of God does not ever do any wrong. The devil that kills is a lie. The most efficient killer on this earth doesn't like to kill because he kills too well. And that is God himself and his son Jesus Christ. Ah. I don't want to go into that, but that's what the Bible says. When he's not, when he, so he, he leaves the killing to small, small people, like angels. The demon of death went into Egypt, three of us. The demon of death. Thank you. It was not the demon of death. It was an angel from God that slaughtered all the firstborns of the Egyptians. It was not the devil that was killing the 70,000 people in Israel when they offended him. It was not the devil. God allowed David to see. And he saw the angel hanging over there with a sword in his hand. Like, who offended the Lord for there? <laughs> you know, we don't understand our God well. So we try to make him look like Father Christmas. He is no Father Christmas. You don't want to see him when he's angry. When he's angry, he burns. Mountains will melt. Iron will, will melt because his anger is red hot. Even the devil hides. What am I going to say? So don't be afraid. Those are the kind of security men you have around you. If they find the enemies that decide that he wants to shoot and kill, they will kill the fellow. They say, Lord, it has been decreed somebody must die today. Eh? I'll give somebody in exchange for your life. So they kill the other fellow. It's not my idea. Did I start it? I bought my Bible the way you bought yours. I didn't write any part of it. The God that I serve. <laughs> you know what one angel said to Balaam? He said, you are lucky. You are very lucky that your donkey ran away. Otherwise, I will have killed you. So please, other doctrine that says that God does not kill people, I don't know the Bible they read. The one I have, eh? Most people who died, they were killed by God. They were, I don't know how many millions of people on the earth. God said, I'm tired of them. Drown them. What am I going to say? The Bible says, I'm adding one scripture now. Our defender is strong. He takes the lives of our enemies. If fear comes upon your heart, read the scriptures. Use it to kill fear. I want to travel the other day. I was telling myself, what is the reason why I won't go on this road? Fear. I said, just to, that this, that one alone is the reason why I will go. Let's kill the fear. Let it not be that the fear of death is keeping us in the house. No, now it's not right. 
We have been set free. See what we are doing today? We are building our expectations for life, our desires on what he wrote. Old age is not a disease. What did I say? Please stop giving excuses to Satan to use to hold you in bondage. I'm not seeing clearly. You know I'm growing old. My back is spending me. You know at my age. I'm forgetting. You know I'm old now. As I hear you say in my ears, that's what I would do to you. So when your back is paining you, hey, put dead the back, stop paining me. Then the Holy Spirit may let you know, is the way you are sleeping, your mattress is not good. Then you go and change it. Or you change your posture. But if one doctor says, ah, your bone is not good, say no problem. That one is a lot. You go and lie down. You know I told you? Let's start treating Jesus as a living specialist. Either a financial specialist, an engineering specialist, or a medical specialist. Lie down there and say, Lord, put your hand here. Here. It's here. Uh-huh. That's where they said it's not good. It's pain him in there. Then lie down. Father, in the name of Jesus, please let me touch that place. Heal it. According to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Do your surgery in Jesus' name. Amen. When doctors operate on you, sometimes it aches for days. So if you see aching, don't worry. It's post-surgical pain. This <laughs> won't <laughs> <So> go. <laughs> I'm telling you. You know, if we approach him like that, we'll see more miracles. We'll see more miracles. What are we doing? That's how we build our faith. I started by saying, don't let the world teach you what is wrong. One of the major things I find as an enemy of faith, let me say this and I close here at this point. Don't forget, get the series, The Saints of God. Alright? They're on our website. Okay? The Saints of God. Listen to all of them. Everything inside that I've just tried to compress into the few, you know, minutes here. One of the things I want us to bear in mind is this. Or, this one that I want us to bear in mind. One of the problems we have with faith is this selective handling of the word of God. That's one reason why faith is always weak. What do I mean by selective handling? You want to believe one part and drop the other one. You want to believe the world here and then believe God on the other side. He doesn't like that. It's offensive to him. You make up your mind, as you give me understanding, as you give me revelation, Lord, I will follow you totally. Caleb was 85 years, and he was strong. And it's not a new thing. I mean, it's not a new thing. It's not an old thing that we don't see these days. We still see it. The 85 year olds are running around. So a man on TV, he took up marathon at the age of 70-something when his wife died. So as to fight depression. When they call marathon, the man used to do either full marathon or half marathon. If it's half marathon, it's 21 kilometers. 21 kilometers. And when I watched it, he was retiring from marathon at the age of 80 something. So he was running his last race. He was 80 something years old. For me, I like to, people to believe God for such things. Caleb was 85 years old. And he said, why? Why is my strength prevailed? Moses was 120 years old. His strength did not abate. His eyes did not grow dim. Caleb, how come your strength was preserved? He said, because I followed the Lord my God fully. Many will follow him partially. They reject one thing he says. 
I'll be quoting medical science and social science for me. Quoting Goldman Sachs, WM, yeah, what they call it, World Bank. Arguing with you concerning their own destiny using facts supplied by IMF. Then they are sick tomorrow. They say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. God, Jesus will say, wait, 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 make up your mind. By the words of IMF, you are healed because they can pay for your medical treatment. You cannot defend IMF against me one day. Then you turn tomorrow and say, by my stripes, you are healed. What is going on here? It's called double-mindedness. Such a person cannot receive anything from my hands. He's saying, our target as believers is to believe everything he says, even when it don't make sense. Like somebody said, even though they say, I mean, we have enough knowledge to know it may not be true, but if that was what happened, we'll still believe it. One says this. It's not as if we are that fatalistic and we're trying to make our faith look ridiculous. Our faith is not ridiculous. It has, it's actually true. But the person said, somebody asked a man, do you believe that the fish swallowed Jonah? How can you believe that kind of thing? The man said, I do. And by, for your information, if the Bible says Jonah was one that swallowed that fish, I will believe it too. <laughs> you know the truth? The fish actually swallowed the man Jonah. And after three days, he vomited him up. It's just that a man like David Paulson believes that the, swallow, the fish swallowed a dead Jonah. That the man had drowned and the fish went and picked him up. And God gave him life again on the third day. I don't know. David Paulson, the person I ever heard say that. But one thing we all agree on is that the fish swallowed Jonah. And the third day, he vomited him up again. There's no metaphysical explanation. It's literal. I hope you know the tomb of Jonah was finally destroyed by ISIS a few years ago. It was one of the tombs, one of the shrines that Muslims claimed. The tomb included that of Daniel. Yes, when ISIS took over, they said it's idolatry. They broke all those tombs. This was just a few years ago. And the Muslims called them a sh- the shrine, a shrine, part of some of the worship, I think, either among Sunnis or some sects of Islam. So the uh, Islamic state people said it is idolatry. So we take the word of God holy. That's the point I'm making. If he says, children are the heritage of the Lord, say amen. Stop quoting stupid science. Stop saying these ungodly things that do you know the price, do you know, the, do you know how much they pay in school these days? When you say things like that, God shuts up every supply that will have made your life easy. There are many people going to school these days, they are not paying a dime, and they are going to the best schools. A friend of mine in the U.S. was just telling me that the daughter is going to school. I said, eh, how far? He said that he's not going to pay a dime. And he's a doctor. He's not going to pay a dime. Ah, how did you people manage? And this is the same school that some of the biggest people in the United States graduated from. They don't pay a dime. He said, not a dime. Why? They offer scholarship. We got into it. The girl did well. She's going to school. I'm not going to pay any money. God supplies needs. Like I said, you know, Ben Carson. There's, you know, when I read things, I look, I'm always looking for spiritual connections. Alright, looking. <laughs> That's what I look for. Ben Carson said, 
His mother, a missionary came to their church. His mother was a young girl who married one foolish man. And the foolish man, by that time, he had left. You see, what do you call the man foolish? He had another wife somewhere. This one did not know. He was living a double life. Bigamy. He was a bigamist. And Ben Carson said, he's happy the man even left. That if the man did not leave, he looks back now that his life would not have been what he is today because his father was vain. That he would have led him on the path of vanity. What I'm telling the story is that as a poor young woman, he had two boys to raise in the United States, a black woman, not educated at all. So missionary came to their church, and at the end of the day, Ben Carson was so taken up by the concept of being a medical missionary. And I said, Mommy, do you think I can be a doctor so I can go on missions? And the mother put two hands on the shoulder and said, you can be anything you want. All we need to do is ask God for it. What I like about it is that why did he get down to school? Why did he get into those places that he got to in life? Because they wrote a law to help the minorities develop. They call it affirmative action. Affirmative action was what got him to where he got to. That is, they opened the big schools and made it compulsory that they must have a proportion of minorities. That was what got Ben Carson into there. A lot of whites complained that this is racism, that is against them because just like we have in Nigeria, you know we have what we call catchment area and then we have educationally disadvantaged states. That's what they call affirmative action in the United States. That was what helped Ben Carson because the whites were saying that, they look at it now, is it our fault that we have money and we are brilliant? We are most, but the, rule, the, the concept is that if you read um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, he explained the concept that you are not that brilliant naturally, that you have been helped by the environment. So these people, therefore, they are not as bad as you think. They are at a disadvantage because of their environment. So we try and balance it out that, okay, you got a high SAT score, SAT score in the United States, okay? But this guy doesn't get as much as you did, but it's a minority. Let's take him into Harvard. Let's take him into Johns Hopkins. What am I telling the story? That was how God answered the prayer that a, a young mother prayed for the, with, with, his, with his son. That you can be anything. All we need to do is ask God for it. Now, the secretary for housing in the United States has come very far. One of the most, in fact, the most, in the secular world, the most well-known neurosurgeon in the world is Ben Carson. What am I trying to say? We must be careful not to change ourselves, not to hinder the release of God's power into our lives because we chose to form our expectations concerning what we are supposed to have based on worldly standards. Whatever God has said, even though we don't know how it will come to pass, all right? Just believe it first. Just accept it. Just accept it. If God says that people are supposed to live to be 200 years old, and you've never seen anybody like that, accept it first. Like they say, it's better to shoot for the sun and get, to moon, and get the moon than to shoot for the earth and get it all. What's the point? Let's just accept what God has said. It, what it will do is that it will start drawing us towards it. The more we stand with it, the more we hold on to it by faith, the more of it will manifest in our lives. If doctors say something is incurable, just say, no, I won't agree. The Bible says it's curable. One way or the other, he will get it cured. 
One way or the other. That's why I tell the story I read from Ben Carson a lot of times. A child that had a brain tumor. All doctors wrote the child off as dead. The father and the mother prayed. And they said to Ben Carson, God said we should come and meet you, that you will treat the child and the child will be fine. The man also reviewed the records. He said, there's nothing we can do. He took the child to the theater, took his own biopsy from the brain tumor. The pathologist said it is aggressive, there is nothing you can do. But that was the point in which things turned. When he did a post-surgery scan of the head, he noticed that the tumor was not where they thought it was. I believe God changes the past. Some people say he doesn't. No, not in the way I understand it. He rewrites things to fit the current situation. God will rewrite past stories. Literally rewrite past stories to fit what your faith can receive from him today. In that particular family situation, their story was rewritten so that that tumor crawled out of the place where all the doctors were sure it was in that made it impossible to operate. And then Ben Carson went back and operated and the child lived and did not die. One way or the other, they got what God promised them. Told the story also of another man who had cancer, melanoma of the skin. Death sentence. The wife said, let us pray. said, my faith is too low. I can't. Say, what can we ask God for? Let's pray that it will not be as serious as the doctor said. So he and his wife joined her and said, Father God, we have a diagnosis of malignant melanoma of the skin, cancer of the skin. It's a death sentence, but we are praying to you that, please, let it not be as bad as the doctor said. So they sent them to MD Anderson Cancer Center in Texas, in Houston. They got there. Those ones said, congratulations. We just found out that you have a type of melanoma we just reclassified recently as superficial spreading. That we cut it early. We are going to operate you, and you'll be fine. And they operated him, removed the cancer, dug around a few places, closed him up, and said, you are cured. And he was cured. God answers prayers. God answers prayers. That's the point I'm making. He answers prayers. He answers prayers. But we just don't dare to believe. Read my tract, dare to believe. We should dare to believe him. Anything he says, just, just say that's what he said. If he says, Sarah had a child at the age of 90, say it's possible to have children at 90. Don't, whether you will have your own at 90 or not, don't worry about it. Just go around saying that no age is too late to have children. Just keep, just, just be believing it. Just be believing it. Just be believing it. That's one, one thing I wrote on my WhatsApp status for a long time. I don't know whether it's still there. It's keep on believing. Never stop. That everything I've said to you today, if tomorrow you find me dying in poverty and in sickness and as a young man, I will not change my mind. I will still tell you, God wants his people to prosper. I will still tell you, healing is the will of God. I will still tell you, long life is a blessing from your heaven. I will still tell you that he said that a man who has a quiver full of children is blessed. Even if I have ten, a lot of them are dying of hunger. I won't change my mind. I won't. I will not change my mind at all. Let me just drop this one because I'm talking about it. Many children don't make people poor. Some of the most, some of the poorest people on this earth are single. I hope you know that. 
They are single. They are homeless. If you get to America, most homeless people are single. So don't think because you got, we went and married, that's why you are not suffering. It's your sins that's punishing you. Forget all these sins. <laughs> it's the truth now. We have to tell it. Because the word has lied to us. Not making that the man is poor because he has many children. One man in my hometown that time, the former lower for war, had 200 children. Yes. But the gist about it is that when you hear, anytime you hear the name of his children, you will know. The only senior advocate, first attorney general of this, this one of this one. You hear their name all over the world. And they were 200. Listen, poverty is different from many children. If you want to be poor, be poor. Don't blame, don't, don't blame these blessings from heaven. Don't blame them. Don't blame them at all. A lot of people that I know that have plenty of children, eh? Either directly or indirectly. It made them pray. It made them walk. God now blessed them. They became very rich. When I say, how did this start? I say, I had many responsibilities. Don't be afraid of responsibilities. It's a blessing. Look, let me step down. Before I go down, let me pray for you. God will bless you in this life in Jesus' name. Amen. In your life, property has been caused. It is dead in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't care what your family history is. Jesus died to set you free. Amen. Your uncle died early. Your father died early. Forget it. You will not die early. Your mother may have had breast cancer, your auntie had. You, you will not have. Amen. Whatever lump you are feeling right now, I command it to melt and disappear. Amen. It turns to pus and it discharges. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Healing is your portion. Amen. Listen, if in your life, ancestral curses have been broken. Amen. I command strength into every fiber of your being, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. With God, nothing is incurable. That kidney just woke up. That pancreas just began to work again. Amen. From today, you will not need insulin. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Your eyes, clarity upon them now. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You think you are old. I hereby command your eyes to go back to the eyesight you had at the age of 20. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Your testimony will be like that of Caleb. Amen. Listen to me. I also say to you, as your, stre- as your years, so will your strength be. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's give a lot of thanks because his word is so true. Let's give him thanks. Let's say, Father, we thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you.